Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now, or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again, wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. As you're listening to this, my business and I have both entered into a hibernation period for the holidays to really soak in the medicine and magic of this time of year, which, as you likely know, is all about resting, dreaming, reflecting, getting quiet, and turning within. And with this, I'll be taking a break from sharing any new podcast episodes until the first week of January. At that time, we'll be back for a whole new season and a whole new year here on the podcast, and that is starting on January 7th. Until then, I wanted to leave you with something that's appropriate for this liminal window of time that we're stepping into between the solstice and the new year. It's an excerpt from a Dharma talk that I gave last January at a New Year's visioning retreat here in the mountains of Colorado. And in fact, I'm offering that very retreat again this year, but it's now specifically oriented toward entrepreneurial women. It's happening from January 4th to 7th at Drala Mountain Center. And there are still some spaces available if you'd like to join us. If that is you, you can learn more about the retreat through the link in the show notes. Last, I also wanted to plant a seed before we part ways for a few weeks, and that is that I am going to be sharing a brand new offering in early January that is all about really thoughtfully, soulfully designing a business and life you love in 2024 and getting all parts of you on board 
with stepping into that vision. This will be a very accessible offering, both in terms of price and time investment, to just make it available to really anyone who wants to partake in it. And I look forward to sharing more about that with you in early January. But in the meantime, enjoy this Dharma talk where I share a core principle that I embrace in both my personal and professional lives that help to cultivate consistency and forward momentum toward those things that are most important to me. And if you've been around here for a while, you know that I'm all about sustainability, simplicity, spaciousness. So this principle is definitely infused with those qualities as well. I hope that this serves and inspires you as you take your own time to simply be and to reflect over the coming weeks in the ways that feel right for you. Happy holidays and happy new year, my dear friends. Enjoy, and I'll see you again in January. Welcome to Herself, a space for women to have deep conversations about the intersection between spiritual entrepreneurship and fulfilling your potential, so you can become the woman you truly are in every area of your life. After being in business for over two decades, I've learned, as you likely have too, that as you grow your business, your business grows you in unexpected, often challenging, yet miraculous ways. Here, we'll talk about how to get out of your own way so you can grow a business that's abundant and sustainable while allowing you to be a force for good in the world. I'll give you simple, actionable strategies, as well as wisdom and inspiration to help you root into your wholeness, lead from your values, and work in ways that feel deeply aligned so you can bring your true self into the world through your business and in every area of your life. alive from the stupa last night <laughs> if it wasn't too treacherous. And since um, the pandemic, I've sometimes started a habit of walking in the winter at nighttime in the dark just as just to get some exercise and sometimes in the winter that's you know like five o'clock that might be the only time that I have to go so I've just gotten used to walking in the dark and I realized that maybe not not everyone is used to that (laughs) so thank you for your your bravery and I'm also laughing at myself because I so I'll give you a little backstory but my partner Chris said to me recently he said I've never seen anyone resist washing their hair more than you (laughs) and the reason why he says that is because I have a lot of hair which is an elegant problem to have very thick hair and so it takes a long time to blow dry it Mm -hmm. and if I don't blow dry it it just it's really wavy which I don't which sometimes is fun but sometimes it's just a little crazy and so blow drying it is just I just hate blow drying my hair but I'm lucky because I can go for like I can go for a week just with one hair wash and one blow dry. And then, so it's like a weekly thing. And so last night was my night to do it. And there's like this whole ritual. I put in this like hair oil and then I let it sit for a while. And then I wash my hair and then I 
let it air dry for an hour so it doesn't take so long, and then I blow dry it using two different blow dryers. And I got into the shower, and it was just like cold water. And I don't know if anyone else experienced that. Yeah, and I was like standing there. I was like, okay, sometimes it takes a while to warm up, and it was like not warming up, not warming up, not warming up. So all I have to say is I have oil in my hair today. My hair is dirty. I didn't get to wash it, and now I need to go through the whole process again tonight. So I have a sign-up sheet here for anyone who's interested in signing up for my newsletter. And I send out a newsletter once a month, as well as other announcements at various times. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can enter your name and email. This has, actually, I realized this has phone on it. You don't need to give me your phone number. I won't be calling you. <laughs> so, but just make sure that, that it's legible because then when we go to enter it into our mailing system, if we, can't, if we don't get a letter quite right, then we won't be able to send you the newsletter, okay? And along those lines, just to share with you some other resources that I have, I have a podcast called Truth, Love, and Beauty, and you can find that on Spotify and iTunes, And I publish two episodes a month. One is a Dharma talk, which is like similar to some of the talks I've been sharing here. And I often record talks from different things that I teach and then share them on the podcast. So Dharma talks geared for women in our in our spiritual paths as women. And another one is is an interview about some usually some a woman who's doing something interesting on, in the world relating to spirituality. Once in a while, it's a man. But so once a month, we have an interview and a Dharma talk. And you're welcome to enjoy that resource if that's of interest. Later this month, I have two new things happening online, which I'm really excited about. One is a free online masterclass called A Woman's Path to Peace. And I'm offering this a few times in the month of January. And if you are interested about that, when you join the mailing list, I'll send a post-retreat email later this week, and we'll have a link to that in there, and you can join that. And it's, it's a masterclass about IFS and feminine spirituality and how that can help us as women just find our path to peace. And then later this month, I'm opening registration for a brand new online course that I've been creating now for several months. It's called Becoming Whole. It's a woman's path to making peace with unresolved wounds, unwanted behaviors, and lingering feelings of shame and unworthiness. And it's a five-week course. Again, it integrates IFS and spirituality. And it's all about just becoming more whole and experiencing more peace and really goes more in depth into the IFS model and how we can practically apply that to our own psyches, our own lives, our own spiritual practices as women. So that will be opening up uh, at the end of this month. It will be running through the month of February and the beginning of March. I teach here usually a couple times a week. This was my first time, not week, year. This was my first time teaching here in January, but normally I'm here in May and October. And I also offer other things throughout the year. 
but these are the ones that are most prescient. So with that, I wanted to speak about larger next steps on our journeys from here. And one of the great things about doing a retreat at the start of the year is because it can really help to set us up to live a more intentional year and to really lay down new patterns, new habits, new foundations for the year. And we all know it's a really popular time of year to have resolutions or intentions to set goals. Uh, it's, a, it's a big time of year to focus on health, you know, after indulgence of the holidays. And one of the things that I want to really emphasize is that when we engage with these things or when we look at how we're going to integrate our learnings and our insights from retreat into our daily lives, we really want to embrace the motto that less is more. Less is more. Because when we try to do too many things at once, when we give ourselves a whole recipe list or to-do list of new things we're going to do, we're likely going to fail. And when that happens, and that's no character defect on your behalf. It's just, we've all done that. It's just part of human nature. It's just, we need to just do one, one thing at a time, usually. And when that happens, when we fail, then it can create a negative impression in us. And we can start to feel like a failure. And about that particular thing that we were trying to start, we, can, we have that negative impression. And then it can be harder to gain momentum to move forward with it in the future. So we want to try to avoid that, and we want to try to set ourselves up for success in the best possible way. And so one of, the, one of the concepts I want you to consider is this concept of the golden thread. And we want this golden thread to be something that we weave through everything that we do. And we get to define and determine what that golden thread is. But generally, it's a golden thread of consciousness, of awareness, of presence. And then what are, what are the practices that help us with that? And so then we want to think of like, what is the, what is the minimum viable golden thread? So for instance, this past season, the fall season, I hardly read any books at all, which is very, I, I didn't read any books at all for pleasure. I read some business books and things like that. That's very unusual for me. Usually I read maybe like one book a week. And I know why, because I was working on my book. And so I was working on my book in early in the morning, then I was working all day. And then by the evening, it's like, I don't, I don't want to read. <laughs> like, I just want to watch TV, watch something interesting on TV, watch a show just be entertained, and then go to sleep. But now I'm at the phase where it's like, okay, I'm ready to start reading again. And so like, what's, what's the minimum amount? So I'm not saying, okay, I need to read a book a week, but how about five minutes before bed? Or how about a page? Or just commit to reading a page or two before bed? And then normally what I find is that when I do that, then I enjoy it and I want to read more. But if I'm really tired, then it's like, okay, I read my five minutes or I read my five pages or whatever it is. 
So I want you to think about, like, what is that for you? Is it five minutes of meditation? Is it the four-part check-in when you're drinking your coffee in the morning? Five minutes of the four-part check-in. Five minutes of journaling. There's also something called bullet journaling. I don't know if anyone has done that, but it's, you do that in five minutes. It's like five-minute journaling. Is it one yin pose? Is it butterfly pose or widening child's pose or something else? Is it doing jumping jacks for five minutes or you know, to, get, to get your body moving, doing squats? or you, know, you, you determine what it is. Five minutes of just laying down and resting during your lunch break. So we want to have small doable chunks rather than saying, I'm going to sit for 30 minutes every morning. I'm going to do a one-hour yoga practice. I'm going to walk for an hour. I'm going to write in my journal for half an hour. Like Those are not doable chunks. So what, what is doable? What is the minimum? And then we also want to set up our environment for success. And if anyone has read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, one of the things that he really talks about is setting up our environment so that it helps us to engage in and start the habits that we want. So it might mean having your journal out on your nightstand, having a space in your home for meditation, having a meditation cushion, maybe having a little altar, having your yoga mat already rolled out, So it's not a big production that you need to go through to make that happen. Having your walking shoes near the door, or if there are certain things that you know that you don't want to be doing, like if you don't want to be drinking caffeine. Like I love green tea so much, especially matcha. And I'm also caffeine-free, because I just noticed that I feel much better when I do not have caffeine on a regular basis. Once in a while I do as a treat. But so if I have matcha in the house, like I'm going to drink that stuff every morning. I cannot, I cannot help myself. So I don't have it in the house. I don't have it in the house. If I want it, I need to go out and get it as a treat. So you can think about what you have in your environment, both just the things that help you to do the things that you do want to do, and also removing from your environment the things that you know that you don't want to have part of your life anymore. So not, you know, if you don't want to be eating a ton of chips or cookies or not that there's anything wrong with those things, but if you don't, if you don't want to be eating so, many, so much of those, then maybe don't have them in your house. Don't have them so that they're so nearby and so available for you, what, whatever it is. And then we want to have regular periods of reassessing and taking stock. And for me, this looks like, like once a week on Fridays, I kind of do like a weekly review. I update my finances for the week. How much money did I make this week? How much money did I spend this week? What's my financial forecast for the next week? What went well in my personal life, in my professional life? What didn't go well? What do I need to course correct for next week? And then also doing that each month and each quarter or each season, and like we've been doing here this weekend each year. So having these, having these times built into your life where you just take stock, like how am I doing with this thing that I said that I wanted to do? And there's some statistic that 
in the U.S. that those who say that they want to achieve a goal, they 74% of people say that they believe that they can achieve that goal. But then of those same people, what actually happens is 92% of those people do not end up achieving their goal. 92% do not end up achieving their goal. And a lot of this is because we set unrealistic goals. We try to take on too much at once. We don't embrace the baby step mentality just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, adds up to a lot. And we don't have these times of revision and review. It's like, it's just, there's this new year, we set this resolution and then that's it. We forget about it. We don't revisit our goals. So it can be helpful to even revisit your goals every day. I revisit my goals every morning. I know people who um, frame them in their office or just put them on the refrigerator so that they're readily available or just put them in the front page, put it in the front page of your journal. And if you go into your journal every day, just reread those goals, check in, just refresh yourself with them. And baby steps really is the way to fulfillment. And just one of the things around my book writing process this year is with my other two books, I really struggled with finding ways to integrate the book writing with the rest of my work and finding time for both. And with this, with this next book, I was really determined I need to find a way to integrate my creative life into my work life so it doesn't feel like this kind of tussle between the two. It doesn't feel like this tension. And this past year, I was able to do that by just in the morning, even just for an hour, a minimum of an hour a day, writing. And that's not that much time. But it allowed me to write my book proposal, it allowed me to submit it to agents, to get an agent, then to submit it to publishers, to get a publishing deal, and now it has allowed me to write my whole book. So just one hour a day, some days more than that, but on average, one hour a day. So what is the equivalent for you? If you have a big dream, just little bits each day can add up to help to lead you towards that dream. What is the golden thread that is going to weave through all of your days to help bring more of that fulfillment? So just take a moment and write down in your journal, like, what is that? What is that one golden minimum for you? Is it meditating five minutes a day? Is it doing five minutes of journaling, one hour of writing, one yin yoga pose? What is it for you, the golden minimum?
So post-retreat is a great time to implement changes. It's really one of the best times because we're going on retreat, it's like hitting the reset button and you can really get a chance to just reflect and step out of your life and just to see what's working, what's not working, what do I want to start doing, what do I want to stop doing? And then when you get into your home to just lay down those new tracks. So I encourage you right away, tomorrow, start this, whatever this thing is, whatever the golden minimum is, start tomorrow, lay down that track immediately while it's fresh, while there's inspiration. So does anyone want to share what your golden minimum is? I think it'd be helpful to hear what some of you are doing so that you can get ideas from each other. Great. I have been doing my, my meditation practice more in the evenings, but I think switching it to the morning will help me to start my day like focused on my self-care. So I think that's going to be my thing that I'm going to change is starting to do meditation practice in the morning. Awesome. Yeah. Great. I'll yeah. Share. So yeah, I definitely noticed a shift in like my overall well-being from the start of this retreat to the end of this retreat. And I think like a huge part of that is like the way we start our day here. And so I'm just gonna like keep going with it. So I wrote down, you know, just starting my day with meditation, journaling, and four part check-in because it seems very like, reasonable and attainable for me. It doesn't seem like, it hasn't been that like lofty or daunting or anything. So thank you. Great. Yeah, I'm a big advocate. I mean, this is how I start my days and it's, makes life a lot easier for sure yeah i'm going to set up my yoga mat in my office with meditation cushion and and a blanket and so i can remind myself to stretch and move my body first thing awesome yeah love it that's more on the professional side just taking an hour a day to work on things for setting up my business so that also includes I'll be a fully licensed social worker this month. I'll be submitting, and so plugging away, finishing my jurisprudence exam, but then also making the steps to, you know, build my website, content, think about different offerings that I want to have, research other folks and things that, that I like about theirs, so about their offerings and things like that. So taking the time of like journaling about some of those ideas, but then also, you know, like a half hour of journaling on some of that stuff, but then also a half hour of like researching. And if it's more than that, then that's great. But if not, you know, that minimum of an hour, I think is, is doable. Great. Yeah. Congratulations. It's a big deal. And the way that you're, that you're setting it up, it sounds like it's fun. It'll be fun. Like exciting. I mean, you're building this new thing and you're giving yourself this time to be creative with it. Yeah, yeah great. I did a retreat here in November and that was a reset of my morning routine. And so I've really developed a very um, caring and nourishing morning routine since then. But it has not included writing. And so I love writing on this side of it. And I abhor writing on this side of it, like getting started. And then I, I don't want to write. And at the end, I go, 
I love it, I feel so happy. But there's like the dredging clock to get going. So um, for me, sometimes I have to get cornered a little bit, which retreats are great for. <laughs> but I was doing on Insight Time on New Year's thing, Tangay, and day three was the flow writing. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. That'll totally benefit some people. Like <laughs> 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 I did it the day of. And then you mentioned it. And it sounds like, like something like IFS would be helpful, that there are parts that are resistant to it and they have fears about it. So maybe just what, what we can do is just tend to try to override those parts and just like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. But it can be helpful just to get to know them and understand what their resistances are and their fears are about being accountable. And then those parts that are in the way ultimately can then become part of like momentum forward can become like cheerleaders and then it's not an issue anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of great IFS guided meditations on Insight Timer. I also have a handful of meditations on Insight Timer and there's also a lot of IFS meditations on YouTube. Yeah. It's a great book. And I have, I have some resources. I have a whole list of IFS resources on my website. And if you are interested in that, it's at sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag IFS. IFS resources. And it's a bunch of podcasts, movies, videos, books. There's, there's a handful of other books that are really helpful too. Yeah. I'm still doing goal, goals. Can I do Yeah. One? So I found it thrilling to set a goal that is so easy. It's like ridiculously attainable. It just made me giggle when you said that. And it's such a contradiction to the way I, I live my life. And so my goal, I will often get to the end of the day and realize I haven't had anything to drink but coffee and wine. So my goal <laughs> is to drink one glass of water. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, and that's, that's totally doable, right? Just one glass of water. 
you can do that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I wrote this down similar to how you started it and saying, maybe make it more attainable and don't write down the 12 things you want to do immediately because you're going to and like, I can do this. And then listening, it distilled into basically the one thing that I can do reliably that I think will be the most benefit is asking myself throughout my day, how can I slow down? Mm-hmm. How can I slow down here? Or like, yeah, how can I slow down? I think that's attainable and kind of encapsulates all the things that I wrote down anyway and probably the most beneficial. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Stephanie? I commit to writing three gratitudes a day. I keep a little gratitude jar. It's just an empty flower vase where I do my writing practice and I have little scraps of paper and a pen. And then I have ADHD, so it's like having a hamster who's on coke, who's on a wheel up here every morning. And so what I find is creating some kind of container that engages my senses. So maybe it's lighting a candle or playing soft music. So creating a really nice ritual really helps me stay consistent with habits. Thanks, Bethany. Mm -hmm. Yes. So mine is going to be because I've realized while I've been here how much, even during my quiet times with myself, how many distractions that there are. So whether that's like looking something on YouTube or even my meditation practice always includes music. I really want to commit more to just complete and total silence because I've realized over this weekend that that has cultivated so many answers to questions that I've been having for a very long time. I'm very that I came to hear, but I haven't been willing to listen. So from 8 to 8 is going to be my new quiet window. So from 8 to evening, I already had started cultivating like a quieting practice in the evenings for myself, but um, I think that feels just right for me at this time to be able to really dig in deeper. Um, and I'm really excited to see where that's going to take me because just over this weekend, it's been life-changing, so thank you. Mm, great. Love it. Yes. I've been able to have time in the mornings to do the meditation, and that's been a great planning uh, for me over the last several months. But what I haven't always done is the stretching and the yoga, and so I'm adding that in. And one of the big takeaways that I've gotten is I'm going to incorporate the, at least the bot, the four part check in. I have a vast collection of journals. Always recommitting to journals over and over again. The input is journal. And so with that resistance, I'll just start to add at least 15 minutes every day after meditation, journal, and then if there's more, great. If not, that's enough. Great. Awesome. Questions on the four-part check-in? Yeah. Because I could then have some feedback from. So we started with the body and then emotions. And what I discover, have discovered in the process is I I somaticize so much in my body that on day one when we said body feels like that was really easy. And then emotions. And I was like, 
oh, C above, you know, I'm going to write just C above because so much of my understanding of my body was in emotional language. And so I've been challenging myself for a few days walking around campus, just like what are body-only adjectives? Mm -hmm. And that's been really challenging for me. Mm -hmm. So that was important feedback. And I, and I guess I'm, yeah, I was not always so sure. My question to you would be, what's your feedback on my body's needs are often emotional needs, or is the process we're really trying to separate out body from emotional needs? Mm -hmm. Is that something I should pursue further, or is it okay that it's the, the somatic voice that's coming through my body? Yeah, kind of like I, that's a great question. And kind of like I said on that first day is we all have different propensities towards relating to these different dimensions. So the most important thing is that you build your relationship with you and these dimensions of yourself. So if, if your relationship with your body is communicating you a lot of, a lot of feelings that's okay. So, I mean, as, I think as long as you're picking up the signal, you know, as long as you're being present and hearing. And that's also part of what this the handout, the feelings and sensations is for, if, if it's helpful. You know, this isn't an all-inclusive thing, but you know, the, the sensations here and then the feelings to just help to give more vocabulary if that ever feels challenging. Your premise in that that the sensations might be more physical body yeah. feeling and the feelings more emotional body yeah. feeling. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do something that's kind of hard for me and, and like really clearly ask my husband and also my friends for silence. Maybe intermittent silence could be, would it be all right with you if we hide for, in silence for a little while? Mm -hmm. And kind of set some limits about, you know, make a framework so that my husband understands where I am and why it's important to me. Yeah. Sounds great. And coming home from retreat sounds like a perfect time to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might be something that he ends up enjoying. Oh, yeah. He has. Yeah. <laughs> we just fall out of the You fall out of the, out of the rhythm? Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yes. I also have the five-minute check-in of the journaling as mine. Something I struggle with is putting others' emotions and needs above my own. And so I think having the five minutes, hopefully more, but setting the goal of five minutes every day, to just check in with myself and sit in my body and emotions will hopefully help feed that more throughout my life. So, yeah. Great. Someone's raising their hands over here. First, thank you for, for articulating the, the felt physical senses. That's something that really resonates with me as well. My journal. <laughs> like, see above. I was like, oh, yeah, I get that. Um, and so I have a healthily scheduled day, and I do morning pages through meditation. But what I 
open time. So I'm gonna give myself in the middle of the day, not the evening because I'm, I'm tired and I'm not my best self and I just have some agitation by the time it's gonna be, you know, seven o'clock, I'm done. So sometime in the middle of the day, and I think it will need to vary based on, and I have the life right now of setting 30 minutes of a play. Uh, like non-defined, doing something different for me plays, like anything different, even if it means I'm going for a walk and I'm going somewhere different, like anything that has some variability in play for 30 minutes a day before like dinner time. Because mm -hmm. I don't know, I want to hear what that is and what that feels like and be a little less prescriptive than I am with everything. Yes, <laughs> great. So there's just a lot of variety, a lot of inspiration in here, just different ways that this is being personalized. Love it. I also want to leave a little bit of space for if there are any just final questions about anything before we depart here. I know one of you had a question last night that we, or yesterday, that we postponed till today, and I forget who, you're all in different places now, but <laughs> that was you, okay. Yeah, my question was really around In our culture, we, you know, so reverse and dust, but not necessarily the mini or micro bursts and dust that are sort of occurring all the time. And I was wondering about a resource. I'm the person in my family who like creates some sort of like ritual or definition, but that's tiring at times. So if you had any resources or knew of anything you could point us to around creating some framework around those micro first Yeah, there's nothing like really specific that comes to mind, but there are some more general things that I'll just share. Two books that I often recommend when someone is going through just a challenging time in life is Pema Children's When Things Fall Apart, and also um, Francis, um, forgetting his last name, um, it's called The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Uh, those are two great books about um, just navigating hard times. There's another book that comes to mind called The Art of Gathering. And it is about just really customizing and personalizing gatherings and the way that people come together. And so when, it, when I'm hearing you, you speak, I'm envisioning even like creating some sort of like intentional gathering about, around these transitions that are happening. And it could even just be like a family dinner or any sort of thing. But it's, it's a really interesting book and gives a lot of creativity around just the ways that we choose to gather and the meaning that we bring to those. And then I would say any book about ritual uh, because ultimately it's about ritual and creating ritual. And so gatherings are about ritual. But just creating some sort of ritual to mark an experience. And I don't have a specific book around ritual. They can be done very personally. Just what are the elements that you want to bring in? What, what, is, what is the, the event that you're, that you're wanting to mark? And ritual really bridges together 
kind of subtle energy and physical energy. It's a way that like the divine can come into into physical reality and more can happen in ritual than can have than can happen just in ordinary time. And in many ways a lot of what we've been doing here is ritual. And even our walk to the stupa last night was ritual. And um, so we, we can make a lot of different things ritual. And if anyone else has a resource that feels like it would fit, what, what she's saying, yeah. I do actually know the, the creating rituals in your lives. There's a great book by Sasha Sagan. She's Carl Sagan's daughter. It's called For Small Creatures Such As We. It's really amazing. Like she, What's that? What was the book said? For small creatures such as we is the name of the book. And she kind of comes at it from a like secular perspective on creating ritual because in like her in the introduction she talks about how a lot of the rituals in our lives are built around like religious holidays and things like that. And so she talks about like for her, like she and her family were atheist and kind of how do you create ritual in this like kind of secular context? I found it really, really good. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite books actually. Thank you. This is where I'd put my IFS hat on, and I would, like if you and I were working together one-on-one, you know, we'd contact the, part, the parts of you that are in pain, and we get to know those parts. So there's no just one blanket thing, like, yes, it's always this way, or no, it's not that way, but it's, it's we get to know the part, and each part is like its own. Dick Schwartz calls them their, these little sacred beings. And they have their whole, they have whole lives and identities and histories and personalities, and we get to know them. We get to know their stories. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say just from where I'm sitting right now, but we we, we would need to ask the parts. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Bethany. And Sarah, are there rituals you do either before you go into a client session or after a client session? to help you switch gears into saying, you know, I'm, I, I might bear witness to some trauma today, but I don't need to hold it, I don't need to carry it, I'm just here to bear witness. That's not something that's ever included in coach training. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. can you share with us either rituals or resources to help us learn how to gear shift in a really mindful way? Yeah. I think I've been, I've been doing this for so long that I don't need to do it between every session. Mm-hmm. You could certain some someone could certainly do that. 
my morning practice is really the time where I like clear out my energy field. I hand my day over to God. And I also do regular energy clearings. I try for like at least once a month to really just clear out my field of other people's energy. And sometimes if I'm feeling kind of like more clogged up energetically, like working with a lot of people, I might do it more more like once a week Mm -hmm. uh, during busier times. Thank you. Yeah. What do you mean by energy? I just I have different practices that I do for clearing my energy body. Do you do it personally? Or do you go to someone? I do it personally, yeah. Yeah, and I think, that, I think one of my meditations on Insight Timer is, is an abbreviated version of that. Like women's aura clearing. Okay. Yeah. And in longer retreats and in longer programs that I teach, I, we do more of that kind of like energy body clearing when there's more time. Yeah. But you can also go to an energy healer to do it. Yeah. Can I just add, you can also do things, like as a therapist, right? You're working with people who might be bringing up a lot of trauma or trauma for you, but there are simple like rituals that you can do. Like I know some people who worked in prison systems where at the end of the day they wash their hands. Right, and that was like an energetic release of like, okay, I'm not carrying all of the hurt and the hardship and social injustice that people are experiencing with me. Right, there are things like just snaps, snaps, you know, lighting incense. Like those are all ways that can be energetically clearing for you, or sound can also be really clearing. So. Different people, right? Just like coping skills, something that works for me might not work for you. There are different ways that you can find that energetically work for you. It's been a a question. I've worked with people, but also with animals. I've worked with horses, clients with horses all the time. And so to be in communication with the horses, an unbelievable magnetic energetic experience, because that's all that there is. I mean, not the verbal. And so when horse and human will go through big transformations, there's a large energetic release. And the nature of the world of horse is to have feel like my my magnetic receptors are open because that's our verbal exchange, right? So in between sessions, sometimes I will need to go do some movement myself. Sometimes I'll just walk around the arena just allowing the energy to finish Sometimes I had to go into me to go through me to help support this, but to finish and exit. And so that much be moving or shaking my hands or things like here. For me, it's usually something that's a little bit blood flow inducing, not like a quiet stretching. And then I can come back into the present moment with the next animal um, more neutrally receptive. Yeah, these are great. And- um, that also brings to mind um, you know, talking about working. So I've done work in um, maximum security prisons, and before I would go in, I would just like create um, like a energy shield around me. And while I was in working working with the people who live in prison, I was like constantly clearing it, and then taking a shower when I got home, washing all of my clothes, 
And even to what you were saying, Bethany, at the end of every day, I, I take a shower in the evening or I take a, like an Epsom salt bath and just do that cleansing and also go for a walk at the end of the day. And that just helps to also clear it out. But like everyone's saying, we all just need to find the ways that help us to kind of clear and replenish after whatever we're, we're up to. Thank you for joining me today. And remember, change doesn't come from listening alone. I invite you to commit to taking one small or large courageous action after today's conversation. One step you can take if you haven't already is to sign up for my free mini course, Three Lies Holding Successful Women Back That Keep You Overwhelmed, Stuck, and Doubting Yourself, and How to Break Free So You Can Embody Your Potential Starting Now. You can find that over at my website, sarahavonstover.com. That's my full name, sarahavonstover.com. And if you found this podcast valuable, please share it with the women in your world. Also, I'd be very grateful if you leave a review. It helps others find resources like this. And I'd love to hear what's coming alive for you after listening today. Above all, keep going and never forget the unique offerings you and your true self bring to the world. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.